You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, everybody, let's rock and roll. Welcome into the Gary Harris Show for this Tuesday, November 7, 2023. I'm your host, Gary Harris. We're with you the next couple of hours talking sports and more here on the Big Tide 100.9 FM. We got my main man, Justin Jones, right there, manning the controls, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. Of course, Noah Haynes has uh, been in this morning since uh, the wee hours of the morning. He's always uh, around as well. And we got a great show on tap for you here today. I'll run it down for you in just a second. Got some great guests, including Alabama baseball coach Rob Vaughn. More on that in just a moment. First, though, I need to tell you, as always, this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Remember, own it not for profit. It really is just a better way of banking. I can vouch for the Alabama Credit Union. I can vouch for the people. Steve Swafford, the uh, CEO, right on through the entire organization. It's an unbelievable financial institution. It's uh, got a lot of advantages of being a member at the Alabama Credit Union. So find out more at alabamacu.com or get by and see them. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership and join today and feel good about your money. Ample extra change in your pocket. Right, we're loaded today. Drew D. Arm and the Rocket Man from 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville Talking Ball will be with us at 930 as he is on every Tuesday. Then at 10 o'clock, <clears throat> it's the head baseball coach of the Crimson Tide, Rob Vaughn. By all accounts, Alabama's had a very productive fall. Uh, they're in their uh, Alabama, you know, uh, World Series right now after playing a couple of different teams in the fall, and uh, Coach Vaughn will be with us to give us a progress report. Everything I've heard has been really, really positive about this Alabama baseball team, particularly the the power, the pop in the lineup that they've got. Then at 10-20, Kayla Anderson with the Titans report out of Nashville. She's got to join us a little bit earlier. Uh, she's got a meeting at 10-30, so she's going to jump on with us uh, between 10-15 and 10-30, or 10-15 and 10-20. Uh, I tweeted out 10-30, but that's out of habit. But she's going to be with us, you know, somewhere between 10-15 and 10-20 for about a 10 minutes Titans report. Uh, Will Levis looks like he's going to be the quarterback going forward, but the team has got to find a way to start winning some games. Titans, uh, you know, it's win one, lose one type of deal, and they're going to try to find some consistency and uh, and get on a roll, and uh, we'll discuss that. Your phone calls, as always, are welcome on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904 is the number on the First Domain Condominiums hotline, so you're more than welcome to give us a call. We would love to hear from you uh, this morning here on the program as we've got a lot to cover, including uh, Alabama football, Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide getting ready to go to Kentucky. Jalen Milrow is the co-SEC Offensive Player of the Week after his great performance against LSU, including four rushing touchdowns, which is the first time that's ever happened uh, in the history of Alabama football. And, you know, I always say this, when you got a program like Alabama that's uh, accomplished about everything there is to accomplish, when you do something that's never been done before, um, that's quite an achievement. And all the great quarterbacks that have come through here, all the wishbone quarterbacks, all the quarterbacks, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts was a great runner. Um, Blake Sims was a terrific runner. Uh, Tyler Watts could could really, really run it. And you go right on back through, obviously, when you talk about Stedman Sheely and Terry Davis and, and Walter Lewis and a lot of athletic quarterbacks that came through Alabama for nobody to have ever rushed for four 
touchdowns in a game as a quarterback. Um, and then it's Jalen Milrow that does it. Plus, he you know he rushed for 155 yards. He threw for 219. He's your co-SEC Offensive Player of the Week. And um, Alabama football getting ready to go to Kentucky. Nick Saban held his weekly press conference yesterday. We've got those clips. I don't know if we'll get to them or not. I know Wimp and Barry just played some of them. I know they got played. The, the press conference got played live on uh, – Big Noon Sports, and then Ryan Fowler played it. So I'm not saying that we're going to get to it, but really because, and I, I'm sure Martin might have ran some clips as well. So by the time it gets back around to me on a Tuesday morning, uh, that's pretty much um, been played. But we may have time to put a clip or two in. Also, uh, Justin is looking to pull the Nate Oates sound from last night because that's something that uh, obviously there's a lot of um, – uh, a lot of interest in right now with Bama basketball opening the season last night and doing it in style. I went over for the first half. I only stayed for the first half, but saw enough to know that this team is talented. It's athletic. It's deep. Uh, obviously, I think once you start playing better teams, <clears throat> not that Moorhead's not a pretty good team. I mean, they won their league last year. They're predicted to win it again, but you know what I mean. Uh, the, beat, the bench probably won't be quite as deep, but last night, man, they played a lot of people. And... Um, 105-73, they had 55 points at half, 50 in the second half. So when you have 250-point-plus halves, that's pretty good. 105-73 to 73 over Moorhead State. And, uh, you know, Grant Nelson, remember, Justin, I said back in the spring, I got a little uh, ambitious when I said he'd average 20 and 10, and then I kind of toned that down. And I said, nah, that's a, that's a lot to ask. But I did think he could average 15, you know, points and seven or eight rebounds. Well, last night... 24 points, 7 rebounds, 2 blocks on 7 of 12 field goal shooting, 2 of 4 from 3. And uh, a guy that, um, you know, he's got, a, he's got a lot of ability. And he is long, and he is athletic, and he can run. Long strider gets down the, gets down the court in a hurry and uh, was really impressed with him. Aaron Estrada, man, is a... He is a dude. That's a, that's a term people like to to say and use now. He's a dude. He's him. However you want to ref, you know refer to it as, he is a guy that um, can really really play. Obviously, you know what you got with Mark Sears, but uh, this is a fun team, man. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Statistically, last night, when you look at it, um, you know Alabama did a lot of things well in this game. They shot 20, 32 of fifty seven from. The field, 56.1%. The three-point shooting really tailed off in the uh, second half. They finished 10 of 23, which is good now. Don't get me wrong, 43.5%. But they were 8 of 12 for at one point in the first half. But that tailed off a little bit, but still, 43.5%. They went 31 of 38 from the free throw line, 81%, which is excellent. I know at, at halftime, I want to say they were 13 of 13 or either 15 or 15. I don't think they missed a free throw until the second half. But 31 of 38 out-rebounded Moorhead 40-29, to 29, had 14 offensive rebounds, 16 assists, which tells you they move the ball around, and um, three blocks, 13 steals, which is awesome. That's a great number. And did turn it over 13 times, but that's not really that bad. When you play as fast as they do and you score 105 points, yeah, you'd rather not have 13 turnovers. You'd rather that number be, you know, say – eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there, seven maybe. <clears throat> but 13 is not really that bad. Again, with as fast as they played, as many people as they played. 
And then at the end of the game, you know, you got a lot of the walk-ons in and, and like that. So I thought it was a great debut for Alabama basketball. Listen, there's, you know, it's, it's one game. Obviously, you're going to go up in, in competition as you get through the season. But um, this Friday night, Alabama welcomes in Indiana State. Larry Bird's alma mater for a 7 o'clock tip uh, on Friday night at Coleman Coliseum. was well, a shocker last night in, in uh, college basketball as James Madison went into East Lansing and beat number four, Michigan State. Now, I will say this. Tom Izzo's teams are always a lot better in March than they are in November. They have started slow in the past, but still, that's a shocker. That is an absolute shocker. And uh, you know, that's college basketball. And then another game that caught my attention was McNeese State beating Virginia Commonwealth. And McNeese State, of course, coached by Will Wade, who used to coach at Virginia Commonwealth before he was at LSU. I think he also coached at Chattanooga. But here's the thing with um, McNeese, uh, Will Wade's not even coaching them yet. <laughs> he's, you know, he's sitting out that suspension because of um, all the stuff that went on at LSU. So he's not even coaching them, and they've already picked up a huge win with Will Wade uh, in Lake Charles, Louisiana, beating uh, beating VCU. So that's a that's a big one. But you know, listen, it's crazy. College basketball, college football, we know now, anytime that you uh, you suit up, you got to be ready to play. So uh, college basketball is back. Obviously, college football is in the stretch run. Monday night football last night, it was the Chargers over the Jets, 27-6. The Jets... Um, you know, obviously they were hoping to have Aaron Rodgers this year would have changed their team. Their defense is really good. And you see 27 points. Don't don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. The Jets' defense played great last night. I mean, they played great. But the offense was horrible. And they gave up a punt return for a touchdown because they held Justin Herbert to 16 of 30 for 136 yards. How about that? They held Austin Eckler to 47 yards rushing. So... The Jets' defense is is top notch. It, it's in con- in the conversation for, um, you know, one of the top defenses in the league. They only gave up 191 total yards last night. 191 total yards in the National Football League. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's really unbelievable. So you see, 27 to six. But the offense. Listen, Zach Wilson's probably played better than what I thought he would, but he's still not the answer. And you know the Jets are just short on offense, and that's just uh, that's just the real reality of it. All right, if you want to join the program, 205-342-9904. That's the number on the first and main condos hotline. Good guest today, um, good topics to discuss. Right now, we're going to go ahead and jump out on the first and main condos hotline and welcome in Ryan, who's going to lead us off. Good morning, Ryan. Morning, Gary. How are you? Doing well. <clears throat> hey, did you see that? Um... LSU and Brian Kelly submitted that Dallas Turner hit to the SEC for review. I did not see that. I'm not surprised, but, um, you know, good for them. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to change anything, but, uh, I did not do you see. Think, do you think we're getting to a point where, do you think we're getting to a point where any contact with a, a quarterback after the ball is thrown is going to warrant a flag? Well, it's going to warrant discussion, that's for sure. I mean, that's the way we're programmed now. You know, anytime you see a quarterback take a hit, uh, a lot of times even if he still has the ball uh, and it's a, it's a big hit, you start looking around for a flag. So we're already in that in that mode. Um, you know, he Turner was flagged. It was a 15-yard penalty. So, um, you know, 
uh, I think they they looked at it in the booth and decided it wasn't targeting. But you know that's but that's normal, Ryan. These coaches, every every coach at every team, every week has a list of plays that they submit to the SEC. So um, I you know I, I I was there. I watched it in real time. Then of course I watched it back on the on the replay. I thought it was a football play. Um, I didn't think it was nearly as egregious as the hit that Bryce Young took last year at Tennessee, which didn't even warrant a flag. Exactly. So, you know, they they did get a 15-yard penalty. And I I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again. I hate that that Daniels had to leave the game. I mean, I I wanted to see him finish the game. I think Alabama's going to win the game regardless, but he's a great player. I was shocked when they put him back in for a play, to be honest with you. I'd like to know what the thinking was there. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, that's... The SEC to put Brian Kelly under. Review. Yeah, why don't we why don't we submit that as to why a coach would put a guy a guy right back in the game after one play who just got his bell rung? He should have already been in the tent going through concussion protocol. So, uh, you know, all I can tell Absolutely. you, Ryan, is and I'm not one of these. You know, I don't I don't want to see you know blood and and people get badly hurt. But I've said this before, and I'll say it again. As long as I'm living. It's a collision sport. You know, people call it a contact sport. No, it's a collision sport. It's, it, it is a violent sport. And you cannot legislate injuries or big hits out of the game. You just can't. Uh, unless you want to go flag football or say the quarterback's going to wear a red jersey and not be hit. And that may be coming at some point. I, I listen to some of these people on Twitter, and they're kind of what you said. They don't want the quarterback to be touched at all. And so I don't know where we're headed with this, but I yeah. – there, there are risks in playing football. I know you try to minimize them, but that's part of when you sign up to play the game. I mean, from the time and let me, you, yeah, let me, yeah, go let ahead. Me, let me add one more to that. What you just said, the, the, what you sign up for. Daniels is a is a running quarterback as well. I mean, he ran all over us Saturday night. So, it, just I mean, you're asking these defensive players to do a lot, and when you have a running quarterback who can pull down the ball and run like he was doing all Saturday night, I mean, what is what is Dallas supposed to do um i mean it's just it's, it's getting to the point where it's really frustrating and like you said, the tennessee game last year i think the difference between why we didn't get a flag there was because bryce didn't get hurt on that play and i think that dictates how a lot of people respond to these these plays well yeah and another thing i hate that they're trying to tag um turner as a as a dirty player i mean i he is a he's a it's like oh, i said yesterday terrible. they call him edge rushers now he's an outside linebacker defensive end whatever you want to call him what is his job one of his big jobs one of his big responsibilities you know saban's always about do your job one of his big jobs is to affect the quarterback that's why he's out there that's what yeah. he's trying to do and you're right he's coming full speed he uh i, I mean i think he certainly tried to hit Jaden Daniels, but I don't think it was in his in that split second he was saying, "All right, I'm going to take this guy out. That's my goal." No, it was I'm going to yeah, I'm going to sack this guy. I want to hit this guy. I want to keep him from completing the ball downfield. I mean, you know, he had a play prior to that where he was able to jump up and tip the ball and it led to a big interception. So he's just trying to make plays. And that's exactly. what these guys do. And uh, but you know, he's been involved with a few hits, and it's Alabama, and people are mad because Alabama didn't go ahead and lose two or three or four games like everybody wanted them to. And now you've got a guy who, you know, has hit a couple of quarterbacks and taken them you know, out of the game with Quinn Ewers last year. And, and um, you know, Daniels this year, and like I said, I didn't think either yeah. hit was yeah. egregious. So, uh, you know, I said we weren't going to play many Nick Saban clips. When we come back, we will play Nick Saban talking about – he was asked yesterday, Coach was asked about the hit and about whether or not, you know um, – 
what he thought of it. So we'll, we'll play that on the other side, Ryan. But I'm with you. You know, I, I thought at the time I watched it, I'm, you know, I, was, I wasn't even sure it was roughing the passer. Now, I didn't have any problem with roughing the passer being called because, you know, that's they are trying to protect yeah. quarterbacks. But, no, it never crossed my mind that he should have been ejected and it should have been targeting. But then I got out on Twitter after the game, and I must have seen, you know, 100,000 people, it seemed like, you know, saying it was targeting, it should Even, have been, a, and it wasn't yeah. just fans. I mean, it was it was national analysts, oh, yeah. and sportscasters. Danny Cannell was, was leading the charge. Yeah, you know, Danny so that, that that's what that, it really disappoints me when people that played the game or cover the game and they let their because I, you know, we all have biases, but when they let them seep in because it's a particular player or a particular team. So you know, anyway, I thought the officials, you know, got that's it right. It. Exactly. All right, Gary. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks, Ryan. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I guess I'm biased in the other direction, but I mean, you take hits in football. You, you just, you just do. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is, man. And and quarterbacks, as long as they're going to be allowed to be tackled, are going to take hits. I loved what um, Ryan had T. Bob A. Bear on, and his take was: Do you want a football player? to not play aggressive and physical if he has a chance at the quarterback he's going to hit the quarterback that's just it's football like <laughs> doesn't make sense it's what they do that's what they do justin all right let's get to the break it's 9 18 this hour of the gary harris show being brought to you by alabama credit union I also want to remind you about my friends at the ymca of tuscaloosa 2313 street downtown a great facility i was in there working out yesterday i just love it they've got an outdoor workout area now too people are taking advantage of this incredible weather and just getting outside in the sunshine unbelievable wellness center men's and women's locker men's and women's locker rooms are spotless they they clean them uh regularly during the day uh tremendous programs in the community it's not just a fitness center or wellness center it's a lot more than that the why is part of the fiber of this community so get by and see them join up today i've been a member for over 20 years or of course you can also find out more at ymcatuscaloosa.org or give them a call at 205-345-9622 we're going to be back with nick saban talking about dallas turner's hit next right here on the gary harris show this season of Alabama football brought to you by Pearl River Resort, Choctaw, Mississippi. Your destination for casino thrills, family fun, and live entertainment. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Everwood, the official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. As we get set for Alabama against Kentucky on Saturday, here are some thoughts from head coach Nick Saban from his Monday press conference. So, you know, no new thoughts after watch, watching the LSU game. You know, probably the most complete game we played all year, um, especially the way we executed in the second half. I thought offensively, you know, we controlled the line of scrimmage. We had great balance. Jalen played really well, obviously, you know, being the player of the week. But, you know, I think that, you know, this team has created an opportunity for itself, so everybody's got to make a choice on, you know, what, what do you want to do to prepare and to continue to play at the level that we're capable of playing at and to continue to improve. And, um, you know, I don't think this is a time for anybody to be complacent. Um, I know that even Sunday morning when I got up, you know, I was like, wow, I'm tired, you know, but got to go, man. I'll have more in a moment. 
Producing championship quality lumber is not an easy process, but at Everwood Preserving, it's our only process. Wood treated right. Everwood offers top-notch pressure-treated wood for decks, outdoor structures, commercial jobs, and more that you can build your reputation on. When it comes to quality, we're on the winning team. Visit your local Everwood dealer today and discover the difference for yourself. Everwood Preserving Incorporated, the official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us this afternoon for Crimson Drive, driven by NASCAR. Streaming live at 2 p.m. Central on all CTSN social media platforms. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Everwood. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. It's back, the Cap Ray and Randy College Football Forecast. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another warm November day today, mostly sunny with a high at 81. For tonight, fair, the low 55. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high also 81. Thursday, increasingly cloudy, a chance of showers Thursday night, the high 79. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of The Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. Look, I don't, I don't know if there is a technical coaching point. You know, you always tell players you want them to see what they hit. Uh, you know, he hit the guy here, and then he hit him sort of in the chin. So it wasn't like a direct hit or an intentional hit to the head. Um, it was a really good hit, but um, unfortunately, you know, his helmet did slide up and hit the guy. So it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a foul. If you hit the quarterback in the head, it's just going to get called all the time. And um, we just want to have him keep his eyes up and see what he hits and hopefully target down a little bit so it doesn't happen again. Nick Saban yesterday talking about that hit by Dallas Herner. And again, for the people out there insinuating that, (laughs) and there's been some, that Nick Saban uh, teaches this. Listen, there are a lot of things with Nick Saban you don't have to like, but in my 17 years of covering the guy, the one thing I will say unequivocally is that he is um, he's kind of the standard to me for how you handle uh, coaching um, protocol. I've never heard him, you know, make excuses for officiating uh, when it hasn't gone Alabama's way. I've never heard him not give credit to the other team every time Alabama has lost a game. And there have been some of the most gut-wrenching losses in the history of college football. I've never seen him not give credit to the other team. Um, I know he wants to compete, compete hard and be physical, but I don't think there's ever been a instance that Nick Saban has advocated for players to play the game outside the rules. So uh, that's one of the most ridiculous things I've heard out of all this is that Nick Saban teaches a dirty football. That is a joke. And uh, I will absolutely 100% uh, die on that hill. So uh, it, it was a penalty and it got fired for 15 yards and that's something that they, you heard him say, they'll work with Dallas to try maybe to keep his eyes up and see exactly what he hits. All right, let's jump out on the uh, First Domain Condos hotline and welcome in Lewis. Good morning, Lewis. Morning, Gary. I, I really like the way you broke all that down on the Dallas Turner hit. You know, I don't see how defensive players, I mean, what are they supposed to, they've got to have in the back of their mind, 
am I supposed to tackle this guy, you know, uh, aggressively? I'm not even talking about the Dallas Turner hit, but this targeting rule, I've seen offensive players lower their head and the defensive player hits them with his helmet because they can't stop. And I've seen that called. I, I just think, you know, the NFL, as rough as the NFL is, they don't even have a targeting rule. I think it should be a penalty. Uh, maybe if it happens a second time in the game, ejection or whatever, if they don't launch, because most of the time they're not even launching and they're getting called for targeting. It's ridiculous. What, what, what's your take well, on that, Well, I Gary? definitely think it's changed the way defensive football is played. I, I, I do see what you're – you know what you're saying where i see players pull up um you know it, there wasn't that long ago they were putting out videos you know of big hits in the nfl i mean oh, nasty yeah, I hits it. you know they were promoting yeah. it and that was why we watched football you know we as i've said as as, as viewers our appetite you know we want to see bigger stronger faster that's this you know that i mean I, and these aren't gladiators i'm not trying to to make that comparison but in the modern day world football uh in sports is where we see people do things that we can't do and that's why you know you see offensive linemen that are 6'6 and 350 pounds and defensive ends that are 6'4 and 275 and run a 4740 i mean they're pushing themselves to be elite athletes and physicality is a big reason why we watch football and i do think it's affecting the game uh again i i'm i don't want to see people get hurt either but it is part of the game people are going to get injured playing football there are risks that are involved with it just like there are risks and other things that people decide to do in their lives and i as i've said before lewis i just you you can you can try to make it as safe as you can but you cannot legislate injuries out of the game it's just it's it's impossible and you know i i just hope we don't get to the point where um you know we're going to be having people advocate for not hitting the quarterback at all you know uh unless he runs past the line of scrimmage or something i could see that happening well if he's behind the line well what's that going to do that's going to free him up to know that he can pull the ball down and 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 run um if he's not going to hit hit behind the line of scrimmage so i don't know i i i like the big hits as long as they're you know the the now the, the helmet to the helmet i get that i get that uh right. and well you're right though sometimes the, the offensive player leans in but if a guy you know hits somebody um you know in the in the in the stomach uh and he happens like you said to lean down and it happened. I mean, you can't call every time somebody leads with the crown of their helmet. You have to look at the situation. I think, um, yeah, you know, each individual situation, because you're right. Sometimes a guy ducks his head and you know, there's no other way to avoid it. I mean, you're right. I've seen offensive players lead with the, with the crown. You're going to have to start calling them. So I don't know. I mean, they're trying to keep it safe, but you can't destroy the game. I mean, guys are going to get, going to get hit and i think tackling now is not nearly as good as it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago and i think that has a lot to do with the fact they don't tackle in practice and i think it has a lot to do with the fact that you know guys don't come in with the same intent as they once did i agree gary let me make one other point if you got time sure i think if if and i'm sure the coaches are working with uh mill on the short shorter passes the intermediate passes he's doing great he's come a long way and i'm sure uh, over the spring and in, in the next fall camp, if he continues to improve that aspect of his game and stays healthy, he's going to be a Heisman candidate next year. And one other thing, our receivers, you know, everybody was saying how all these drop balls in the uh, in the scrimmages and so forth, Bonds and, and Burton especially have just been falling out. 
And uh, one other question. Do, do we have Bonds next year? I'm, I, I don't remember his class, and I'll hang up now. Gary, love your show, man. Bye. Thank you, Lewis. Yeah, Isaiah Bond is back. He is a uh, he is a true sophomore, so he definitely has another year. And, uh, you know, one other thing on the, on the hitting, the big hits, um, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm torn a little bit because, again, you don't want to see guys getting hurt. Nobody does. I mean, I think that's you would like you'd love to see every game where your team came out healthy and the opposing team came out healthy. Uh, but again, these are these are 19, 20, 21, 22 year old young men who are in peak physical condition. Again, I, you know, in the NFL, it's even faster and bigger but you know when you're on the sidelines of the college football game um you get a different perspective i know some of you have been maybe some of you haven't been it's it's different watching it from the stands it's certainly different from watching it on tv when you're on the sidelines and you see the speed and you see the the power and you see the ferocity and the intensity that these guys play with um you know that injuries are (laughs) gonna happen i mean it's it's just uh it's just the way the game is played and Trying to keep it safe is one thing, but working to just legislate contact out of it is not the way to go, in my opinion. All right, it's 931. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Drew DeArmond, the Rocket Man, from 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. We'll talk some ball with Drew next, right here on the Gary Harris Show. Much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide 100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. Touchdown brings me around again to find. All right, here on John's Rocket Man, you know it's time for Judy Arman from 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville, the Rocket Man here on the Gary Harris Show. He uh, does uh, talking ball weekday mornings from 7 to 9 with Scott Tyson, has recruiting show, does various radio appearances, uh, very active on social media, and uh, really just a, an outstanding uh, college football and basketball analyst, and we love having him on every week here on the program to break it down. How you doing, Drew? Good, Gary. How are you? Doing great. I want to start with hoops because Alabama uh, opened the season last night. I, I went over for the first half. I only watched the first half, but it was enough for me to see. And when I got back to the TV station, I was actually able to watch it on, you know, on the ESPN Plus. But, um, you know, 105-73 against what I think is a pretty good team. Moorhead State won their league last year. They're, they're I think, predicted to win their league again. A well-coached team, but it was never it was never competitive. And and that's what you hope to see in one of these kind of games. Alabama scored 55 points in the first half, 50 in the second half, and came out shooting the three ball just in fuego. And you knew that wasn't going to 
you know, they weren't going to keep shooting at that clip for the entire game, but they still wound up shoot 43 and a half from three, 56.1% from the field, 80.16% uh, from the free throw line. They out rebounded. Um, Moorhead in the game, 40 to 29. They had 14 offensive rebounds, had 13 steals, uh, did have 13 turnovers, but that's not a bad number when you play as many people as they played. So I just was highly impressed. And I understand the bench will get shorter as you play better competition, but it looks like a deep team, an athletic team, and a team that doesn't mind sharing the basketball is evidenced by, you know, their assist numbers. They had 16 assists in the game. So I was really impressed, as you can tell, Drew, and, I'm, and now it makes us get your reaction. No, I mean, I was. I was very impressed with the way they played. Uh, I thought it was free-flowing offensively. Uh, they moved the ball well. Um, you know, they. I thought, uh, you know, Grant Nelson was very impressive, not just offensively, because I knew he could play. I knew uh, he had, uh, you know, he had the ability to step out and shoot. And I'd seen him on film create off the dribble and, and take guys. But uh, the thing that stood out the most is his defensive ability his ability to guard on the perimeter and uh, and show defensively out there and then still be able to have enough mobility to, to block shots at the rim. I mean, he ended up with 24 points and seven rebounds. He was 7-12 to 12 from the floor, 2-4 of four from three, and then 8-for-8 uh, eight eight from the free throw line as well. Uh, and then he had seven rebounds and uh, two blocks and a steal. He got the hard hat of work for a reason. He, he played a great all-around game, and I, I was really impressed, too, with Jaron Stevenson his ability to step out and shoot it. Uh, he guarded pretty well also. I think he ended up uh, with 12 points on the game uh, and uh, did a really nice job offensively, I thought, off the bench. And so I think his his role will continue to grow as the season goes on. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, Aaron Estrada, I mean, as I quoted, you know, on, on uh, you know Twitter, he just a, he's like that Michael Jackson uh, song, you know, Smooth Criminal. He's just a smooth guy. Got, in, got got all kind of, you know, uh, I guess, craftiness to his game. He can shoot the three, of course, but he can take you off the dribble. He's got a mid-range shot. He can get to the 10. Uh, got really good length. I thought his ball pressure was really good defensively. And then we saw what Mark Sears means to the team, too. He didn't have a, you know, a, a great stat line from the standpoint. It's not like he ended up with 20 points, but he ended up with 13 points. He always knows how to get to the free throw line. He's a very good rebounding guard. Uh, his toughness and physicality are very important to the fabric of this team. And then uh, to see you know, uh, him back in the lineup was very, very important. And then I was very impressed, too, uh, you know, with the way that the you know that, that 11 guys got in the game. I thought they played 11. Uh, I still think Wiggy is going to be a factor defensively, a big one before it's over with. He's still just now getting into the swing of things. And to me, the whole X factor is Ryland Griffin. He played okay last night, but if he can score the ball and defend and play hard all the time uh, and, uh, you know, really be, uh, you know, a, a guy that's an all-SEC type of player, then I think this team can be really, really good. I think they can go at least nine deep. Uh, they played 11 guys, but, you know, guys like Muhammad Diobate and, and McGee, they're going to be guys that are good defenders, so they'll probably have a role. But the thing is, when you look at Latrell Wrightsell, you look at Davin Cosby, you look at all these guys, they can make shots. And so I think that's going to be huge, no question about it. There'll be probably games where some play more than others, but I still thought they looked really, really good, uh, especially, like you said, against a quality team like Moorhead. I know they had their best player out, but they still had a lot of good players. 
Uh, they've got a coach that's going to be a great culture there. They're going to be a, a good team in their league. And so I thought it was a really impressive opening and should be an interesting second home game against Indiana State on Friday. But I think this team's going to be fun to watch and versatile. Uh, and, uh, you know, if Grant Nelson ends up being, you know, a first-team all-SEC type guy, we knew there was the potential for that. And this team can be very, very dangerous. And I thought uh, it was a good first chapter last night. Yeah, Drew, I had kidded back in the spring, and I think I told you this, and I know I said it on the show, I got so carried away with Grant Nelson watching his video at North Coast State. And I said, well, I think he'll be have a chance to be a 20-10 and 10 guy. And then it hit me. I'm like, <laughs> you know, that that's that's not – you know, reasonable, but so I, I, I toned it down to 15 and eight. Uh, but after watching him last night go for 24 and seven and, and you know, really in, in limited minutes, I mean, um, he's, he's really good, Drew. <laughs> I mean, he's long, he's athletic, such a long strider. I watched him get down the floor last night and those, you know, he taped three or four strides and he'd be, be across half court. I mean, what do you think you already alluded? You think he could be a potential all conference player? Um, do you think he's got first round? Draft pick ability? Well, I mean, that depends. I mean, if he can stay healthy and, and be consistent. Certainly, with the way the professional basketball is today, with it, uh, they want your guys to be able to step out and shoot. They want their big zap perimeter skills. I, I certainly think if he plays against SEC competition at, at a high level uh, the entire year, he certainly could. No question about it. And, uh, I, you know, I think he's a really good system fit for Nate O's and his squad. Certainly, I think Estrada is a good fit as well. They they certainly are going to miss JQ with his leadership and his ability to score the ball. But I think if Latrell Wrightsell keeps uh, you know improving and developing, and uh, you know if uh, as I said, Riley Griffin needs to grow in his role this year because last year he was off the bench. This year he needs to be a guy that plays starters minutes and produces. And Jaron Stevenson. I think this is a young team, but I think by the time January rolls around, they could be really, really good. Led by a guy like Grant Nelson, if he has, uh, you know, North Dakota State, he averaged 18 and 8. If he comes close to that in the SEC, I don't think there's any question he'll be drafted. Yeah, I don't don't think there's any question either. All right, listen, they're one game into the season, and they've got a really – challenging schedule and we know the two of the last three years they've had final four caliber teams and didn't make it either time and still looking for that you know first trip ever to the final four as a program and so this is a tough question drew but i'm gonna throw it out there anyway i mean what do you think is the is is the ceiling of of this alabama team is this another team that uh, even though they're just you know brand new really has the potential to come together and and, and make another ncaa tournament run all right that's hard to say right now. If you look at uh, James Madison beat, uh, you know, number four Michigan State on the road last night, but I still think Michigan State will be fine. Yeah, me too. We won't know until, you know, the middle of December on into as conference plays about to start how good some of these teams are. I do think Alabama should has the potential if they continue to improve and guard, uh, you know, and, and, and everybody buys in. I think they can definitely be an NCAA tournament team. Then it's all about the draw you get and what you do with it. But, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt this should be a fourth straight NCAA tournament team for NATOs. But, uh, again, I, it was a really good first chapter. So let's uh, wait and see what happens going forward. But, yeah, without a doubt, uh, I think these guys uh, can play in March. 
Fair enough. All right, let's move on to football. We saw what happened Saturday night uh, at Bryant-Denny Stadium. It really cleared the path for Alabama now. They just have to win one of their next two SEC games against Kentucky or Auburn. Both are on the road, so it's not a gimme. But, or, you know, or if Ole Miss loses another game, uh, Alabama is, is going to Atlanta. So it looks, you know, pretty positive for getting to Atlanta to play for the SEC championship. The key to the drill now is to continue to do what Alabama's done, and that's win. And that's get there at 11-1 and one and um, hopefully win an SEC championship. Drew, I, I've said this last week. I still can't imagine there being a scenario, although it looks like there's potentially one out there. But in my in my mind's eye, I still can't imagine that if Alabama goes 12-1 and one and beats Georgia uh, in the SEC championship game, they're not going to go to the college football playoff. Well, you know, there's a lot of football still to be played in the next you know, month, Gary, but I, I, if Alabama takes care of their own business and ends up 12 and one, they're going to be in the playoff because if you, you just have to look at it objectively, Ohio state and Michigan are going to cannibalize each other. Uh, Oregon and Washington potentially are going to do the same thing. Uh, I still wouldn't be surprised if Florida state lost the game. So they're going to be teams fall. So if you're Alabama, you just have to keep grinding and plugging away and stacking wins. Uh, no question about it. There's probably even still a scenario where Georgia could get in if they lose to Alabama, though. I think that's more highly unlikely than Alabama being left off at 12-1 and and being a conference champion. I think whoever wins the SEC, Gary, is going to get the 14 playoff, uh, no question about it. But, again, a lot of football will still be played. Uh, I think right now Georgia would get my vote as number one. I, I You know, they're the two-time defending champs. I've seen enough of Michigan and Ohio State. I'm not sold that they're uh, better than Georgia. I would probably vote Michigan number two, uh, Ohio State number three, uh, probably still Washington uh, number four, and then Florida State five and Oregon six. And I think Oregon is is an extremely dangerous football team. And we saw this past week, too. uh, Oklahoma is now done. Uh, They lost Bedlam to Oklahoma State. I thought at one time Oklahoma and Texas would play again, and that would be a first spot in in the college football playoff. But if Texas loses, and they should have last week, They'd be done, too. So I think it's more likely that the Big 12 completely gets left out than Alabama or Georgia. Drew DeArmond with us from 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville, uh, where he hosts Talking Ball with uh, Scott Tyson, and he's with us this morning, as he always is. Uh, what did you take away from that LSU game? What, what impressed you most uh, about what Alabama was able to do Saturday night against the Bayou Bengals? Well, I, I, what I was impressed with is I thought Alabama continued to evolve offensively. I thought it was the best game for the uh, starting front, front five of uh, the offensive line for the University of Alabama. Uh, you know, uh, the Swamp Monster, Jaden Roberts, continues to, you know, assert himself. And I think he's helped this line gel and become much, much better. Uh, the maturation of Jalen Milrow has been fun to watch, watching him climb the pocket and then realize that uh, his biggest gift is, is his mobility and his ability to take off and run. Uh, you know, now I wasn't expecting 20 carries, maybe stretch carry and a, and a school record four rushing touchdowns, but he had 20 for 155 and four TDs. And, and you saw when he does that, how it opens up everything else with this offense. It opened up uh, the running game where they rushed for, uh, with the, you know, I said going in, they needed 150 to 175. Well, they got, got they almost got another 150 uh, with the, the, the pile on top of Jalen Milrose 155. I mean, yeah. I thought Jason McClellan was solid. Uh, he had over 100 all-purpose yards. I thought Roy Dell did a great job. And his ability to run Milrow opened up that running game and it helped the passing game as well. And it's funny because Alabama pretty much in every game has hit a vertical passing play, a big play that's helped them win. 
They didn't hit those in this game. Uh, Milrow was a little off with those. The most dangerous pass plays were the improvisation, the dump off to McClellan for like 42 yards, and then the wheel route to Jam Miller. Other than that, it wasn't a lot of big plays, but he was very efficient with his arm, 15 to 23 for 219 yards, and, and uh, did not turn it over. And you just see the potential of this offense now with Milrow uh, gaining maturity. And it's fun to watch. And, He's someone that uh, everybody's going to have to account for now. And they played good complimentary football because Alabama struggled defensively for the first quarter in one series. But, you excuse me, first half in one series, pardon me. But as you saw, Kevin Steele, Nick Saban, uh, T-Rob, they made some adjustments into the second half. And Alabama was able to shut out LSU for the final uh, one and three-quarter quarters. And, again, Dallas Turner knocked out the quarterback. It was a good hit. I, you know, I didn't even mind him throwing the penalty flag because I figured uh, that Jade Daniels was knocked out for the rest of the game. And that's just football. It happens. Alabama's lost players like that. Uh, but uh, Jaden Daniels is a, still, I think, the best player in the SEC and Brock Bowers. But, you know, Alabama was already up two scores, and that was kind of the nail in the coffin, so to speak. And uh, they got Daniels out of the game. They continued to control the line of scrimmage. And that's still how you win. You win line, controlling the line of scrimmage, Gary and uh, went on defense, and I thought Alabama did a great job of that. And they were able to do it with Will Reichert having an uncharacteristically poor game. Drew, Alabama's been through this stretch uh, where they've been on a, quite a roll, including wins over Ole Miss and A&M and Tennessee and, and uh, LSU. And now I think Alabama fans are kind of taking a breath, feeling like, hey, man, we got it wrapped up. But you do have to go to Kentucky on Saturday. And this Kentucky team is 6-3. and three. Uh, They hit a little bit of a snag, but they had a nice win at Mississippi State on, on this past Saturday. Um, concerned for this game? Early kick in Lexington? Concerned about maybe Alabama being uh, taking a breath themselves and, and uh, having a little bit of a letdown? Well, I mean, certainly you're always worried about an 11 a.m. kick and it gets a quality opponent on the road. Kentucky's good. They, they, they beat the Florida Gators soundly there. Uh, no doubt about it. They beat them, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, ran the football for over 300 yards. Ray Davis is very, very good, very dangerous. Uh, so they have to be ready to stop the run. And see, that's the underlying factor that no one's talked about. And all these big wins for Alabama, Jake Daniels certainly got loose and scrambled, Gary, but they shut down the rest of that LSU running game. And the key going into Saturday is they're going to have to slow down Ray Davis. If they get off blocks and slow Ray Davis down and put the game in Leary's hands, I think Alabama will win and win handily. I I picked 37-17. Certainly, I'm I'm not going to be shocked if they get off to a slow start uh, because they have in most games. Um, but I, I still think it's a good matchup for Alabama. Leary is a guy that's not mobile. Uh, he's a pocket guy. Alabama just needs to get some pressure on him. I think he'll turn the ball over if they do, even though he's played better the last couple of games. And I think it's going to be a matter of Alabama wearing Kentucky down and understanding. You know, it's kind of like what Nick Saban's mantra was at the press conference yesterday. This team has created a, an opportunity for itself. Now you have to handle success. You've got revenge against uh, you know, the, the, the vomit and uh, LSU. And so now you have to beat Kentucky to get, to get a chance to play Georgia. Because if you listen to the Georgia media and some of the Georgia fans, Georgia hasn't lost Alabama in 15 years. And so it's been one time two years ago in the fourth quarter, but a lot of it is because they've won 26 games in a row and they're the best program in the country right now. And right, and they should be number one, by the way. I've said it just earlier in the conversation. They should be number one tonight. I don't know why they're not. I know their schedule has been strong, but I still think they're the best team. 
until you beat them, they're the best team. And so Alabama can create an opportunity for itself because they couldn't get there last year. They didn't handle business. Georgia handled it. Georgia, uh, you know, beat Wofford and won the national championship 65 to 7. And so that's that they're the champs. And until you beat them, they're still the champs. And so you have to get to them and you have to be mature about it, handle your business and, and beat a solid Kentucky team on the road. And if they do that, then they, they know they're in the SEC championship game. You'll have a tricky road trip to Auburn in two weeks. And that's always difficult, but still you, you've created a chance to get back to the college football playoff, which, you know, after the Texas game, Gary, the sky was falling. Dennis Dodd was writing stuff. Everybody had Nick Saban retiring and now Alabama is on a run. So you create these opportunities, but you have to continue to take to handle business and win, and that's what they've got to do Saturday. It probably won't be pretty at times. It hasn't always been pretty with this team, but I think this team is made of the right stuff, and if they handle their, their business and take care of the football and, and beat the Kentucky Wildcats, then they're going to Atlanta, and, and it's well-deserved because I still think while the SEC is a little down, We've kind of seen the rest of the conferences coming back to the pack. Probably the Pac-12 is still the best league. Uh, but, again, I'm not sure that there's a great team in college football this year. Georgia's probably the best team right now. And if you're Alabama, you get a chance to, to stare them in the face and, and throw out your, give your best effort uh, in, in early December if you can win this game on Saturday. Great stuff, Drew, as always. I'm up against the clock, but uh, tell everybody really quickly uh, where they can find you. Yeah, they can find me at Drew D nine seven seven ESPN. Also, they can find me, uh, you know, at uh, our station at nine seven seven ESPN. All our content is on our SoundCloud page and at nine seven seven ESPN dot com. Scott Tyson and I bring you talking ball from seven to nine a.m. every Monday through Friday, and uh, I do uh, a recruiting blitz segment Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on our uh, morning blitz show. We'll be uh, glad to join those guys tomorrow. And then got high school basketball tipping off tonight. Huntsville High. Uh, we're going to be uh, opening against Lee. Should be a big crowd. We are uh, retiring the great John Pass, number 22. So it's going to be a great evening. But we always enjoy being on the Gary Harris Show on Title 39. Appreciate it. Thanks, Drew. Thank you. All right. It is uh, 9.54. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back and wrap up this first hour of the Gary Harris Show. Brought to you by Alabama Credit Union right after this. Join Tide 100.9 this Friday from... Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Another warm November day today. Mostly sunny with a high at 81. For tonight fair, the low 55. Tomorrow partly to mostly sunny. The high also 81. Thursday increasingly cloudy. A chance of showers Thursday night. The high 79. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Oh Alabama Sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 
All right, 957, thanks to Alabama Credit Union for bringing you this first hour. We're going to close it out and get ready for hour number two. We'll kick it off with the Bama baseball coach, Rob Vaughn. Boy, what a fall for the Crimson Tide. We'll discuss it with the first-year head coach and then uh, Kale Anderson with the Titans report right around 1020. So we got a big second hour. And then in the second half hour of hour number two, we'll have plenty of time for phone calls. Keep it dialed in right here to the Gary Harris Show. Another hour is on the way. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Monsi Bolaños. The Los Angeles Chargers wrapped up week nine of the NFL, beating the New York Jets on Monday night football 27-6. Justin Herbert only threw for 136 yards, no touchdowns. Zach Wilson did not throw any touchdowns either. He threw for 263 yards and was sacked eight times. Uh, I, I don't know if you could say step back. You know, there's, like I said, there's... It's all encompassing. You know, obviously he's going to want some things that he he wishes he could have done better. It's just a little bit of everything. It's just uh, one of those bizarre games. It just every time we had momentum, uh, like I said, just a self-inflicted wound. Uh, wound. Uh, was it his best game? Obviously not. Was it his worst game? No. I'm not going to say it was even close to his worst game. But uh, uh, I think the entire offense, obviously we all could have been better. That was Jets head coach Robert Sala. In the NBA, Nikola Jokic had another triple-double, and the Nuggets beat the Pelicans 134-116. to The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama sports and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. I'm Gary Harris. We've got uh, Justin Jones, Manny the Controls, Noah Haynes hanging out with us. And uh, we're delighted to kick off this second hour, which is being brought to you by Patterson Comer, attorneys at law. More on Paul Patterson and Mike Comer in just a little bit. But we're very happy to be joined by the head coach of the Crimson Tide, Rod Vaughn. Who, uh, it's Rob Vaughn's second appearance with us here on the program. But, man, I have gotten so much feedback on what's been happening with the fall uh, baseball uh, workouts for the Crimson Tide. I wanted to get Coach back on, and he is with us this morning good morning coach how are you i'm awesome buddy how are you doing great man good to have you back on and i gotta tell you it wasn't that long ago at least and you can you can refresh my memory if i'm wrong that i knew there was fall baseball but if there was a scrimmage or something it was usually off the radar it was more just about workouts and and this fall you've come in here and this has been a happening man with auburn coming in and florida (laughs) state coming in and right now you got the uh uh the fall world series going on between the crimson and and gray teams the deciding third game of that series coming up tomorrow and um it's been an event uh was that a conscious effort to not only prepare your team for its your first season but to get fans involved and to build this kind of excitement or was just just kind of a happenstance what went into this yeah you know i think a little bit of both you know we uh with what last year's team did there's just a lot of momentum around around the program a lot of excitement and that's you know very much due to that 2023 team and and the way they kind of competed through some things and and had a special year so i think we wanted to kind of capitalize on some of that momentum and more than anything, I think it's the fall is just really a time to build your team. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of different pieces that guys look at when they're looking at fall games and what they want to do. And, you know, the big thing I wanted and and I've been a big believer in is I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of testing our team against somebody that 
we can just go out and smack around. I wanted, I wanted to bring a couple teams in here that would really give us a barometer, a little bit of where we were at, you know, where we stacked up, where we need to get better and, and, uh, and kind of attack it that way. And, you know, I, I didn't put two and two together. You know, there's a lot of people seem to, to be behind us right now, but I was like, man, if we, we, we rolled out with Auburn, if, if we played terrible against Auburn, in that opening jump, man, everybody would have jumped off the bandwagon pretty quick, probably. So it was good to get that one under our belts, and and uh, and then obviously a really good Florida State team. Man, Link Link Jarrett's one of the best coaches in the country, and you know what? I know Florida State had a little bit of a tough year last year, but I tell you what, that team's going to make some noise this year. That's a good group, and and man, I thought we went toe to toe and and came up on the right side of, of of pretty much three of those four games, and so really really happy with that, and. You know, more than anything with this group, really just happy with the way they've attacked every day. You know, the fall, just like in the game of baseball, there's so much monotony to it, you know, and, and it can get long and it can get get kind of boring, for lack of a better term, at times. And, man, this group's come out. They've had energy every day. You know, those fall World Series games have been electric. We had, yeah. you know, the first one Friday, then then obviously the one the one last night was, was pretty wild. And, it matches up perfectly. It all boils down. We're going to play at six thirty tomorrow night to to determine the winner, and it's going to be a it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, folks, make a note of that. Uh, game three of Alabama's baseball's Fall World Series tomorrow, and that worked out well. Getting to play three games after the uh, Gray and Crimson team split um, the first two. Uh, getting back to the Auburn and Florida State series, because you're right, I didn't think about that. But if Auburn had come in here and, and, and you know wore you out, people <laughs> might have been saying, "Man, what are we doing with this guy?" But it was what just, are we doing? No it, doubt, <laughs> it was just the opposite, though. I mean, um, you know, balls are flying out of the ballpark with the bats. Pitchers are throwing ninety plus. You're striking out guys left and right, and as you said, against a really strong Florida State team. So I wonder if you're a little worried now about the opposite. Expectations are out the roof. I hear, you know, I talked to some of the Grand Slammers. They're taking me, hey, we haven't been to the World Series in 99, but we're going in 2024. So you've kind of created a monster here a little bit. No doubt. No doubt. And, and that's what the, the kids deserve that, man. These guys show up every day. And, you know, with, with the new staff coming in and, and obviously keeping J.J. around and, and, and keeping him in command of that pitching staff, I mean, I tell anybody that'll listen. That's I, I. That's the best pitching coach in the country, man. Just the way he, the way he communicates with players, the way he loves his players, the way he coaches them. I think it's a really good blend of, of kind of the the new information that's out there that we use to coach pitchers with a lot of the tried and true. Man, you better compete. You better throw strikes. You better get ahead. You better field your position. You better do all that. He just does such a great job of blending that and. And it's going to always start on the mound. It doesn't matter what you do. You got to be good on the mound if you want to have a chance to to play. And and I think we've we've got a lot of pieces. You know, a lot of guys that have had really good falls. And you know, a healthy Ben Hess and Riley Quick mm-hmm. made a huge jump. Alton Davis has kind of not hit that sophomore thinking he's figured it out. He just showed up and kept getting better. Aiden Moza keeps getting better. And then the emergence of some young guys that. You know, when they come in, you like them, but you're not sure if they're going to be ready or where they're going to fall. Right. And man, there's been some young guys just really do some good things on the mound this fall. So it's all it's always going to start there, and really happy with that. And then on the position side, I think just a lot of guys that were really hungry to be coached. And you know, as a coach, that's what we kind of pride ourselves on. You know, back in Maryland, we really drove the baseball. We scored a lot of runs. We hit a lot of home runs, and we kind of have a a pretty good blueprint on how how we get there. And and this group is, man, from day one has bought in hook, line, and sinker and have, have have gone to work. And, you know, I think we've commanded the strike zone at a really high level. 
And I think when you do that, that adds to you driving the baseball at a high level. Right. Like you said, against Florida State, or I'm sorry, against Auburn, we come out and it's bang, 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 back-to-back homers, three homers in the first. I'm like, man, we might be the best team of all time. And then <laughs> and then finally it balanced out for a little bit there. But, but man, it's a lot of fun. I think these kids are going to play a really fun brand of baseball. I think we're going to strike guys out. I think we're going to play really hard. I think we're going to hit some balls out of the yard. I think it's a really good blend. And, you know, anybody that's been around this game long enough will tell you, you know, it's about it's about do your best players perform in right. the moment you need them to perform and, and how healthy can we stay. But, but man, it's it's been a heck of a fall for these kids. Yeah, Coach Rob Vaughn with us here, Bama Baseball. It, it really has been. And, and, again, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, there's still, in my opinion, I mean, you still got to do the fundamentals. You know, you got to you got to catch and throw and you got to be able to move runners over and you got to have pitchers that are subtle that can you know move it around and, and use a strike zone but from a fan standpoint again i mean we see it in the big leagues i mean you know fans want to see the ball fly out of the ballpark and they want to see pitchers throwing with high velocity and even though this is college baseball uh, and i know you lost some guys to the portal when you got here and you brought some guys in yourself from the portal and the mix of players that are coming back from a really good team but it looks like and you've already alluded to that you're going to have a team that can hit home runs and strike guys out and uh, the ball, bottom line is got to win games but that's exciting baseball as, at least in terms of how we like watching it now no question and i i think that's what you have to i think you just see this stuff keep getting better and better man when i played if you threw 90 miles an hour you were a flamethrower right. seems like now left and right i mean if you're not 95 plus it's just another normal dude you know and and we do we have we have shoot, we have guys bumping 100 we've got two of our starters that are 97 and 99 and shoot ad you know has a chance to start potentially this year aiden mose has a chance to start greg ferone has a chance to start that are all mid to upper 90s guys. So I think when you have stuff like that, man, going hit, 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 hit can be really hard. So you better be able to drive the baseball and slug a little bit. And and I think this group can do that. And one thing we've made a really concerted effort of this fall um, in every good team on offense that I've ever coached has this, is you just have to be able to score in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're – we can't – we can't be a slave to the long ball, and that's what you kind of saw, honestly, with the Phillies in the World Series. Absolutely. Like when they were in the yep. postseason, like when they when they hit homers, they won, and when they didn't hit homers, they lost. That's and, right. And there's going to be days, especially with the college baseball season, when it is, you're going to have a cold day, you're going to have a wind right in your face, and if you can't manufacture runs, if you can't move runners, if you can't do some of the small things, it's going to be hard to score. And so this group has done a really good job of, you know, I think the home runs are. Are, are a huge tool of them, but I've seen them grow a lot in being able to manufacture some things and being able to do that. And that's what teams that win in the postseason, that's what they do. Teams that win in this league, that's what they do on Friday night. You're probably not going to line up and, and hit 10 homers. It's very rare. You're probably going to see a 15 to 14 game on Friday night in this league. It's going to be who gets that runner in from third less than two outs, who makes the routine play, who gets the big two out hit. And and the line between winning and losing is is razor thin, and and this group's done a really good job of growing into more than just a team that slugs the baseball, but also into a team that can manufacture some runs and, and beat you in some different ways. I know people are pumped up to hear that because you're right. If the ball's not going out of the ballpark, you got to find a way to still try to win the game. And you're out on Friday night no, with the pitching you face in this league. <laughs> no matter how no good your hitting is, you might you might hit a wall. Um, a no couple more minutes with Coach. Uh, all right, listen, you had a good job, you know, and clearly uh, you saw this as an opportunity, but you always come into a new situation. It's new. Uh, mm-hmm. I get the impression, though, watching this team and talking to you that it's just kind of fallen into place. It just feels like you've been here for three or four years and you've only just been here a few months. But is that the way? Has it gone as smooth 
in the on the inside as it looks like it has from the outside. Everything from the team to the coaching staff to the fans, everybody coming together. It really has, man. It really, really has. And I think you're you're exactly right, man. I I had a great job. I loved where I was at. You know, we 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 built you know the University of Maryland into a pretty darn good little program up there in the Mid Atlantic that was doing some things that we probably had no business doing in, in some people's eyes, and and something we were really proud of. And you know, I think the reason it's felt like that, and you know, I've said this, and I think you know, anytime people ask me about that, the people down here from the administration to the support staff to the community. The people down here in Tuscaloosa are just really special. I mean, just a really a group that that cares about these kids. I mean, let's call it what is a group that really likes to win, you know. And and you know, we didn't we didn't come down here. I didn't move my family across the country to to just have an SEC job. I did it because I felt like with us the support of this administration, with the coaches, I was able to kind of surround myself with. Um, that we can return Alabama baseball to what it should be. And, you know, we had an alumni tailgate this weekend and lots of former players from the nineties that, that played back in Omaha that know Mm -hmm. what it's like. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have taken this position for a paycheck. I didn't take this position because of the prestige. I took this position because I really think this is a place that, that we can get back to where it belongs. And, and man, this it's, everybody feels like they're pulling the same end of the rope and, you know, as a as a new guy stepping in, it's exactly what you're saying, man. I feel like the people here make it make it feel like you've been here for a heck of a lot longer than you have, and and man, the sports here for us to do some pretty fun things. Wrapping it up with Coach Rob Vaughn, I, uh, this is a question I'm going to ask. I think I've, you've already answered it, but it sounds like talking to you this morning that it's been a productive fall, and you and you feel like from a coaching standpoint, you've gotten out of this fall what you were looking to get out of it. Am I correct? Yeah, I think you're right on. I think we we learned our kids, and I think that's a big piece of it. You know, we we lost a lot, but man, there were some really good players coming back. And you know, a guy like Camden Hayslip, man, that's been here. This is his third year. He's been in and out. hasn't done a ton. That I feel like every time I look up, that guy's hitting the ball out of the stadium. <laughs> you know, and you're seeing him grow and turn into something special. And 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 so a big part of this fall was learning these guys. On top of kind of laying the foundation for what is Alabama baseball going to look like? What is our identity? Who are we? And I've always said that, that, you know, the character of your team is built in the fall and revealed in the spring. And I feel like this, this team has done a really good job of creating an identity of building a foundation um, and setting the tone for this is who we are and this is how we're going to do things. And that's what you want to get out of the fall. You know, nobody, you hear it all the time, man, there's plenty of guys that are fall Americans would call them where they go, they go ball out in the fall and then, can't do it when the lights turn on against LSU and Mississippi State. So we understand that you know we don't we don't get any points for beating Auburn twice. We don't get any on our record for beating Florida State. Um, but I think they've laid the foundation of who they are and what we're going to be about. And you know we've got a couple more weeks where we'll finish fall ball. We'll wrap that up tomorrow night with the last game of the fall World Series. Then we'll have some time to get back to some individuals for about two weeks before Thanksgiving and. Man, we'll blink, and February 18th will be here, and we'll be rocking and rolling. Absolutely. Again, folks, tomorrow night, you said 6.30, Coach? 6.30, start. We're going to turn the lights on and crank it up and have some fun. Yeah, and it's uh, no, you know, it's free to the public. So get out there, the final chance to see this team this fall. And uh, no pressure, Coach, but uh, it is uh, 2024. Will be 25 years since Alabama went to the, the College World Series. 1999 was the last time to make it to Omaha. So just saying, that's a good number to kind of. I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank, thank you so much, Coach. Appreciate you. I right. appreciate y'all.
All right, it is 10-16. We'll take a break, and uh, we'll come back with uh, Kayla Anderson with the Tennessee Titans report next right here on Ty 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, your home for Alabama sports. Hey, Crimson Tide fans, if you have an automobile... This is Old Colony Golf Course. is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good times. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1019, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Kayla Anderson from... Ramon, Kayla, and Will, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. Emmy-winning sports anchor on her... In her television days, joins us every week for the Titans Report. Kind of a condensed version today, so we got to jump right in because we only got her for about uh, about nine minutes here before she has to go. Good morning, Kayla. Hey, good morning, Gary. Hope you all are having a great morning. Yeah, it's gorgeous uh, this weather, and I know it's the same in Nashville. It's just been incredible. But uh, the Titans um, against the Steelers, it was kind of the story of the season. Um, the Titans lost, but they could have won. That's <laughs> been the case for several games yeah. and did a lot of good things in this game. I mean, Levis, again, was good. You know, Henry was solid. Uh, the defense played well, but yet they got home with a 2016 loss. What happened? Yeah, well, let's start with now saying uh, Mike Rabel is now 0-3 against Mike Tomlin, and uh, that never fares well in terms of sometimes you just have to get over the hump That's and right. get something done. Hasn't been able to do that, and they haven't really been great in recent years in Pittsburgh, specifically on those Thursday night games. But you're right, Gary. You mentioned they could have won that game. They absolutely could have. And specifically when you talk about Will Levis, uh, yeah, they didn't win the game, but what you can take out of that is that Will Levis played pretty well for being his first start on the road in that type of an environment. Um, knowing what this Pittsburgh Steelers defense is always about, um, and specifically when you had an O-line in front of you, and I'm talking about the Titans O-line, that was banged up throughout the entire game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Everybody on that line, for the most part, except for center Aaron Brewer, was out at some point of that line or in that game because they were dealing with an injury or they came back in. um, Or in the case of the left tackle position, Nicholas Petit Frere, who uh, took over for Andre Dillard uh, because he got benched, he got hurt. Um, so then they had to switch around the O-line completely. So it was just a, a kind of a disaster in front of him. And Will Levis was still able to kind of do what he did in that game. And even coming down to the last drive where that's a lot of pressure, right, put on, on a rookie quarterback. And 
at moments you felt like he was going to be able to pull it off, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just kind of the poise, the um, confidence that this quarterback has with now just two games under his belt. Um, And I will tell you this, Gary, I was actually more upset with the defense. And I know you look at the points and you're like, oh, they didn't give up that many points. But, Gary, the problem with this defense is it has digressed in terms of the run game, in terms of defense and the run game. They have allowed over 100 yards the last four games, something they have not done on the ground in a a really long time. This was the number one rush defense in the NFL for a second. And all of a sudden this season, you see them digressing like that. Uh, is a big reason why they haven't been holding up their end of the bargain. And it starts with the pressure or lack of what they're getting up front. They did not stop Kenny Pickett once. This is not an above-average quarterback by any means. And you thought after getting all the pressure on Desmond Ritter the week before with the Falcons that they were going to be able to at least get some pressure on Kenny Pickett, get to him at some point. They never did that. Right. And I think that could have been the difference maker if the defensive front could have applied some pressure in that game. Yeah, Steelers still amaze me uh, to have the record they have with this offense as bad as as it is. But, you know, if it's dirty, if it's a dirty game and ugly, they, they like their chances. Of course, that's the kind of games the Titans used to win in the past, too. So moving forward, Kayla, uh, Tennessee's not out of this thing. I mean, they're three and five, but... You know, they've still got a bunch of division games left, but they got a tough one on the road. Let's just be honest. You know, Tampa Bay is an NFC team, but you go to Jacksonville the next week. If you're going to have a shot to, to end the division or even to make a run at a, a wild card, uh, this is a, a game that Sunday they need to find a way to win. They need to find a way to win, not only to get back in the win column, Gary, but they need to find a way to win on the road. That's right. And this is plagued this Titans team really dating back to last year. I mean, when they got that win on the road in Green Bay, that was the last win on the road. That's not good. And it's something that I really do feel like is bothering these guys, is is like something on their back, right? They can't get over the fact that they can't get a win on the road. So I think more than anything, just to be able to do it on the road starting this weekend in Tampa I think that's huge. And I hate it, though, because Baker Mayfield and company just came off a horrible loss. Sure did. Where C.J. Stroud and company, C.J. Stroud, by the way, balling out as a rookie over in Houston, came back on that final drive and beat Tampa Bay last minute, right? So, you know, Tampa Bay has kind of a bad taste in their mouth and they're back at home. So this game worries me a little bit for that fact, too. I wish Tampa Bay would have won that game. But, yeah, Gary, you've got to get a win if you are the Titans this weekend because then you've got the first game uh, in the regular season against Jacksonville uh, on the road, and they're playing some really good football right now. So if you're going to have a chance to stay in this thing, you've got to get your stuff together, and it has to start Sunday. And guess what? We don't even know who the quarterback's going to be. I did that. You knew that's where I was going to go before we let you go. Well, Mike Vrabel, we may not know, but what what's what is the latest on on Levis and Tannehill and Vrabel and the Tennessee offense and, and where they're going? Well, I'll tell you this: we are not uh, having fans here that are too happy with Mike Vrabel, and I think it's easy at this point to start kind of looking at like, oh, the head coach is 
is the issue now, right? Because where else do you put the blame? But more so because I think he just won't come out and say, like, Will Levis is the starter. And that's what fans want to see. But the way that Mike Vrabel does things, it doesn't surprise me. I've covered the man for seven years, his whole entire career here at Tennessee. And he has never been one to just outwardly give people jobs, right? Especially a rookie quarterback. Mike Vrabel does not want to have Will Levis's head blow up before it even begins his career. Uh, he knows how to handle players. He's the player's coach. And so he's not going to come right out and say, yeah, Will Levis has a job a day after they lose at Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. right? Because that question was asked on Friday. What I think will happen is this week, he'll talk today, but this week I think Ryan Tannehill returns from the ankle injury. I think he practices. And I think Mike Vrabel comes up with a decision at the end of the week because he at least wants Ryan to have a chance to get back on the field. I truly feel like Mike Vrabel is a smart man and he's going to make the right decision, which is to put Will Levis back there as the starter because he right now gives you the best opportunity to win. Finally, Kayla, uh, and I agree with you. Uh, what are you seeing from Henry? Because I, I read some stuff. I, you know, I think he, well, he's got over 600 yards. I think through eight games, so he's on a, a pace to have a you know a pretty good year. Uh, but I've read some people say that he he isn't the same Derrick Henry. When I've watched him, you know, the offensive line's had struggles, as you said. The quarterback situation's been in flux. I still think he looks good to me. Uh, what have you seen from Henry? Yeah, I I think Derrick is at the age that he's at, I don't think I've seen a massive decline at all. And I think the only thing, Gary, maybe why people are saying that is because you haven't seen his big burst this year yet, right? right? He always has had those big uh, breakout runs, and he's almost broke a couple this year. He came close in, I think it was in London, um, and then there's been a couple other times where you in the past have seen him just break out of those and go all the way he hasn't done that yet this season so maybe that's people jumping to conclusions that oh he's not the same Derrick Henry I don't look at that being the case at all I think Derrick still has it I think again he's been behind a line that has been patchwork the entire season he's doing as much as he can and I'll tell you something they call it the Hember for a reason okay the Hember is because he really starts to turn in December. Mm-hmm. And I know that's still a month away, but we start seeing Derrick Henry at his best this time of year. Um, so I would say that breakout uh, run is coming soon. Kayla, great stuff. I uh, appreciate you squeezing us in. You can find her on Twitter at Kayla Anderson TV. And of course, listen to her with Ramon, Kayla, and Will at 1045 The Zone in Nashville. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. All right, you too. All right, Kayla Anderson with the Titans Report. And uh, we are a half hour away from wrapping up the show, but now we're guest-free the rest of the way. Uh, we do have some Nate Oates sound that I want to get to, just probably the opening comment or two after Alabama uh, hung 105 last night on Moorhead State. And uh, if needed, we've got a couple more Nick Saban clips for you. This debate on Dallas Turner won't go away. In fact, when we come back on the other side, I'm going to play you the latest from uh, Lane Kiffin, who's always been pro Alabama, pro Nick Saban. We know that even after his time at Ole Miss, but he... Uh, He piling on Alabama and Dallas Turner here a little bit at his press conference. So we'll have that for you coming up. Before we get to the break, though, I do want to mention to you that uh, 
uh, new sponsor on the show. You've been hearing the commercials. Houston Hydra Stream, Hydra Steam Carpet Cleaning in Tuscaloosa is, uh, you know, where you need to go for all your steam cleaning needs for upholstery, carpet, whatever. Uh, Jackie Houston, uh, been in business for nearly 40 years locally. You don't last that long unless you know what you're doing. Houston Hyder Steam certainly does. Carpet and upholstery cleaning. Give Jackie Houston his folks today a five uh, call at 553-9460. That's 205-553-9460. And their work is guaranteed. Uh, the staff is professional and courteous, and I'm telling you, the holidays are upon us, so you want your house looking its best. I know you do, with Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, and you might need to go ahead and take care of some water damage, whatever it is, carpet and upholstery cleaning, oriental rug cleaning, residential commercial water damage, deodorizing fiber protection, tile and grout cleaning, yes, that grout cleaning and they will take care of it. That's Houston Hydra Steam. Give Jackie Houston and his folks a call today, 205-553-9460, or look them up online at HoustonHydrasteam.com. We'll be back with Lane Kiffin sounding off on Dallas Turner next, right here on the Gary Harris Show. Join University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. And we had uh, Coach Rob Vaughn right off the top, the Bama baseball coach. And then we had Kayla uh, Anderson with the Titans report. So I mentioned briefly Patterson Comer, but I do want to go ahead and let everybody know that they bring you this second hour every day on the program. Paul joins us in studio every couple of weeks for some free legal advice. And uh, Patterson Comer does it right, man. I mean, feet on the ground and Tuscaloosa and Northport, and if you need a personal injury attorney that's going to be with you all the way and not going to take the first offer that the insurance company gives you, they're going to they're going to do what's best for you, stand by you, even if it takes a little bit longer. That's Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. Paul Patterson in Tuscaloosa, 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport, 205-759-3939. Remember, the commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, let's get back to the Dallas Turner, was it a dirty hit? Uh, The reason I say it's not a dirty hit is, for me, dirty hit implies that he intentionally tried to hurt the quarterback. That that's that's what a dirty play is. A dirty play is you're, you're intentionally trying to injure someone. I have no doubt in my mind that that was not what Dallas Turner was trying to do to Jaden Daniels on Saturday night. Now, was it a, a penalty? It was called a penalty. So you can have an illegal play. You can even have targeting and it not be intentional. It not be dirty. It be a happenstance. It happened, but it wasn't like it was premeditated. Dirty is premeditated. Justin, would you agree with that? Dirty is, or we're lined up on the line of scrimmage, but when this ball snapped, I've decided that I'm going to try to hurt a particular player. Whether it's a quarterback, running back, offensive tackle, whatever. I am intentionally going to try to hurt someone. That is a dirty, or injure someone. That's a dirty play. Dallas Turner's play was not dirty. Was it a penalty? Yes, it was called a penalty for roughing the quarterback. Could some people even make the argument that it was targeting? 
Sure, they have been doing that for the last three days, and and I'm sure not, no one's going to let it go because it's an Alabama player involved. But to say that it's dirty, that takes that takes some nerve. That takes a lot of, you know, and there's that picture of Jaden Daniels and, and Dallas Turner visiting after the game when both seem very cordial with each other. You, you So you're, you're saying it was dirty because you know what was in Dallas Turner's head. You know, Digger called in yesterday with, oh, it was dirty, it's terrible, he's a dirty player. Man, a lot of people are just comfortable throwing out stuff at people. You know, I'm on, I'm on the radio and television, and I'm still not comfortable going on the Internet and using profanity the way people are now. I see people on shows that um, are, are well-respected journalists, and they're out on the Internet. I mean, it's, it's they're, they're dropping words that you just used to, if those kind of words had gotten out that you had said, you'd be fired. Well, we're just so comfortable now doing stuff that we weren't comfortable doing, you know, even 10 or 15 years ago. And and one of those things is just is just throwing out stuff at players without any really thought process other than I've decided the guy's a dirty player. That's a serious allegation. Think about it. That's a serious allegation to say that a guy's a dirty player. A lot of these LSU fans are also doing this, and it's almost like they have the assumption that if Jaden Daniels stayed in the game, they were going to win. Well, they weren't going to win. Yeah. And that, but, but it's not just and it's not just LSU. Uh, it's just not LSU fans. It's Tennessee fans. It, it's it's fans of other schools. It's uh, Ole Miss, and that's why we're getting to play. Ole Miss fans. They wanted LSU to win the game. Okay, Ole Miss has never in the history of their little program been to the SEC championship game in Atlanta. Never. Mississippi State's been once. Arkansas's been. A&M hasn't been, but they haven't been in the league as long as Ole Miss has never been. And they knew that if LSU won that game, they were going to have you know a decent shot because there was a chance there'd be a three-way tie. They beat LSU. If LSU beats Alabama, Alabama beat Ole Miss, it could be one of those messes and they might make it. So they were all upset too. And, and this is Lane Kiffin at his press conference speaking to the hit by Dallas Turner on Jaden Daniels. The protection of the quarterback, and, and I just think that's a different one. I think that should be the highest concern always because the quarterback throws from a different position than other players and is vulnerable to hits. And um, And... I've just always thought that should be more like the NFL and they should be very protected um, because they, they play a really hard spot. And, you know, when quarterbacks get hurt, you see programs that have all these other things in place can play, you know, all of a sudden teams completely different. You know, I was asked yesterday by you guys about the LSU-Alabama hit. I, I don't know how that's not targeting. And if it's not, I think you got a problem that that's okay and that, defensive players watch oh I can do that and I can stay in a game and take the other team's quarterback out that's an issue all right I like Kiffin he's you know he's interesting he's um, <laughs> unusual did a great job here at Alabama I mean I still remind people in 2014 he came in here they installed an offense he took Blake Sims who really had never been an established quarterback and you know went to the college football playoff 
won the SEC championship in 15. He took Jay Coker, who didn't even win the job until a few games in, had transferred from Florida State because he got beat out there by Jameis Winston, had been a backup here to, to Blake Sims in 2015, takes Jay Coker, and they win the national championship. 2016, he takes a true freshman at a Channel View High School there near Houston, Jalen Hurts, you know, 17 years old when he graduated high school, came in here and took them within literally eight seconds or whatever of the national championship in a 15-0 record. So he's a great coach, great offensive mind. He's eccentric, he's unusual, uh, and he's been very, very, very positive toward his experience at Alabama and Nick Saban. But that was a not a shot as much at Alabama as it was a pleading for, I want it to be like the NFL, where if you even – Look sideways at a quarterback. And I like Mac Jones, but Mac, the, uh, Mac Jones took a hit on Sunday that they called uh, roughing the passer on, which was a, just a normal tackle. So I understand Kiffin's motivation, but quarterbacks are protected. You know, and it was a personal foul roughing the passer call. You know, yes, if you thought if you had targeting on, then Dallas Turner's out of the game and he misses the first half at Kentucky. But it doesn't change the hit. I mean, hits are going to happen, but they do everything they can to protect the quarterback. Justin, that's what we're discussing. I mean, I think I think defensive linemen are very aware, and I've seen calls, and you have too, where the quarterback, you know, defensive linemen have their arms up, trying to, and they and, and just out of out of happenstance, their hand just. Might touch the helmet or the face mask, and it's a 15-yard penalty. I think we're protecting the quarterback as much as they can be protected. It sounds like Kiffin is basically saying, well, the quarterbacks are the key to the game. I understand that. So we really shouldn't allow anything to happen to them. We, we need to. It sounds like he really almost wants them not to be hit at all, and that's not feasible. That's not football, particularly, again, when you're playing a team that has a running quarterback. Because if you let up, Oftentimes, that's when they'll pull it down. You see it in spring games sometimes when they know they're going to be hit. A guy will kind of let up a little bit, and then they'll take off. There's two things I didn't like about what Lane said. One is it seemed like he was alluding to the fact that we just talked about that Dallas Turner intentionally meant to lower his helmet or hit Jaden Daniels in a way that would hurt him and get him out of the game. We know that is not the case. And then two... Isn't that would have been any different in the NFL? The NFL doesn't have a targeting call. I think it would have just been a roughing the passer, and the game would have went on as normal. It would have been the same thing if that same play happened in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think you're right too. I think that that was he did he did kind of infer that now other players will see this and they'll take start taking shots at the quarterback. That's not true. He got flagged. You know, I, I just I, where was this outrage last year? When Bryce Young, you know, took a shot that I thought was much more blatant than the one that Turner put on Daniels, and it was awkward whining about it. You lost the game. I don't remember. I don't remember this kind of outrage at all. And Bryce Young had won the Heisman Trophy the year before and was on his way to being the number one overall draft pick. Where was the outrage then? Maybe you can find some, Justin. Maybe you can research it. And outside of Alabama fans, where was? You know, where were the calls for that player? And I can't even remember who it was that hit Bryce Young. For him to, to you know, where, where was all this from all these national sportscast and analysts last year when that happened? No, it was more like, oh, you lost the game. Don't be a, don't be a, a, a bad sport about it. And Saban never, ever brought it up. So, 
I don't know. Let's go ahead before we go to the break. We got time. Let's go ahead and take Tom now uh, here on the First Amendment Condos Hotline. Good morning, Tom. Well, hey, Gary, how are you this morning? The, the main thing with the media, let's go to them first. They're lying. There you go right there. They're lying uh, because they don't know what's in uh, Dallas Turner's head or anything else. But they talk, and then you have people that uh, have uh, are motivated for their team to get the playoff, this, that, and other. They pick up the rhetoric. They repeat it. They think they sound smart. Uh, and so they get on the radio, and they think they sound smart. They're dumb. It's obvious. It's easy to figure it out how dumb they are when they talk. Now, second the thing is about uh, the LSU game, how about that face mask that uh, Perkins drug uh, Milrow out of bounds with that nobody called that one? How about that one? That could have been a bad accident. That could have been an injury. Yeah, I know. Listen, man, I, I told you, Tom, yesterday, and I know you you agree with me that, listen, it's unfortunate that Jaden Daniels had to leave the game. It is. I hope he can play going forward. You know what? I hope the, he gets out of the concussion protocol and he's fine again, but it's football. But where was this outrage? You know, when Bryce Young took that shot against Tennessee and there wasn't even a penalty called on it. You know what What it was then? All you Alabama fans are just whining. Take your L. Move on. You know, it, it, you can't tell me, Tom, and, and, and I believe this, or I wouldn't say it. You can't tell me that if this was another game on Saturday, and a quarterback in the SEC got taken out, it would have been mentioned, it would have been talked about, but there's no way it would still be being debated three days after the game. This has got a lot to do with the fact that it's Alabama, it's Dallas Turner, it's Nick Saban, it's against LSU. Tennessee fans are still mad because they didn't get their second win in a row. They thought that they had turned the tide. Ole Miss fans are mad because they've never been to the SEC championship game and they want to go and they couldn't beat Alabama when they had a chance to do it. So now it's pile on Alabama. Uh, Nick Saban coaches dirty football. They're a dirty team. Put your put your put yourself in these other fan bases position. They're sick of Alabama. That's another the reason everybody's glorifying Georgia. Georgia is on a nice run, but all these other fan bases are happy because at least Georgia's ahead of Alabama. I'm telling you, man, that's where a lot of this stems from. All right, I'm going to point out some facts to you. Uh, four years ago, Jalen Hurts at Ole Miss, he gets hit. Oh, I don't even know how he got up. Don't It was a blindside vicious else, hit. If it anybody else, they went to the hospital. Didn't even okay. throw up. Two uh, years, two, three years ago at Mississippi State, tour, when it was obvious that they were trying to take him out of the game. And uh, because they were mad because he came back in for a two-minute drill at, before the half. And uh, and they they purposely tried to take two out. Nothing ever said. Alabama didn't complain. We just said part of the game. That's the way it goes. And... Uh, and then, as you pointed out, Bryce taking that hit at Tennessee, and on and on I can go. But we have we have had uh, Jalen Waddle against uh, uh, LSU three years ago on a punt return. Hey, they oh, they jerked his, his they jerked his head around, and he still and he still brought it back. Never <laughs> called one freaking thing. 
but he scored a touchdown then that well, okay, he scored a touchdown. Well, calls I, get missed, Tom. I, you and I know I, it. It's just when it's Alabama, it's like this year against uh Tennessee when they had the one penalty. Nobody was worried last year when Alabama got fourteen for hundred and thirty five yards and got the game possibly robbed from them by what could have very well been a bogus pass interference call. Nobody cares. And, and now all you hear all year, Alabama privilege. Alabama's, until this year, has been one of the most penalized teams in the country the last couple of years. Get your facts yeah. right, people. And just and right. just admit it. We wanted Dallas Turner to be thrown out because we wanted Alabama to lose. And Alabama avenue. wasn't going there to was lose. Another avenue. If Dallas was thrown out, there's a distance slight chance that it would cost Alabama a, a win or a loss or something like that. But that's all that is. It's, uh, but as far as, uh, hey, we've had our fair share of, of uh, retarded referees that didn't know how to call the game, and God knows we got it going on now. All right, Tom. Thanks a lot. And uh, don't agree with the term what Tom said about the referees there. But at the same time, um, let me just say this. This is what it is. Fans are competitive. Teams are competitive. Now we're in a live in a time where media people are competitive, you know, media cover teams. Um, and I admit it. I want to see Alabama win. I don't, I don't, I don't, um, you know, lie about that, but I don't think that I'm, um, a fanboy on the radio, but at the same time, it is reality. People are SEC teams are sick of Alabama. And last year, it was so sweet to them that Alabama had a preseason number one ranked team with a returning Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. Uh, the number three overall pick is an edge rusher, a dynamic running back, Jameer Gibbs, who's a number one pick and, 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 and showing off in the NFL now for the Detroit Lions. And Alabama didn't make it to Atlanta. Because they lost two games that were um, as difficult a loss as, you know, you can have. And people were thrilled. And then this year, Bryce is gone. Will Anderson's gone. Jameer Gibbs is gone. They did not look good against Texas. They lost the game. They did not look good against South Florida. And everybody just counted their chickens before they hatched. This Alabama team is not, you know, and it goes, the list of people, I don't even want to, the list of national media figures who counted, who, who counted this team out, Kirk Herbstreet not being one of them, Got to give him credit. He is he is stuck with Alabama. But many of these guys counting Alabama out, and now it hasn't happened, and they don't want to admit they were wrong. So what do they do? They just keep moving the goalpost. Okay, well, you beat you beat Ole Miss. All right, you'll lose at A&M. Hey, you beat A&M. Well, Tennessee will get you. Oh, you ain't going to beat LSU, best offense in the country. So now they're like, well, you get to the SEC championship game, Georgia game. Take care of you. If you do, if you are lucky enough to get in the playoff, you'll be exposed in the playoff because the Pac-12 is better, the Big Ten is better, um, Big 12 is better, whatever you, whoever you're running against. So eventually, if Alabama does lose, then what are these people going to do? Well, we told you. Awful. All right, we'll be back to wrap up the show right after this on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Under the biggest cactus in town, Taco Costa. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205 562 
1-800-227-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another warm November day today, mostly sunny with a high at 81. For tonight, fair, the low 55. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high also 81. Thursday, increasingly cloudy, a chance of showers Thursday night, the high 79. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide, the best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1055, time flies when you're having fun. And uh, this show is flowing right by. Be back in tomorrow for the Wednesday edition. Of course, a reminder to catch me on TV tonight with your local sports and with Rodney Orr for Tider Insider TV tonight at 6.30 on WVUA 23 as we'll break it all down. And uh, coming up Friday, another uh, T-Town menswear, T-Town Gallery Bama football trivia giveaway. And uh, I don't know what I'm giving away this week. I got to get by and see Tom and, and uh, get a prize. We gave away that um, the shutout print last week and i have talked with uh our winner and um so we're going to be um getting that taken care of and we've still got the isaiah bond football that was won a couple of weeks ago that we're trying to work at that out i thought um, the lady's son-in-law was going to come by and pick it up today but he didn't make it but we'll uh we'll figure it out so we, uh, we want to get all these prizes delivered once they're won. I can promise you that. So that's coming up again on Friday. So that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank uh, Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law, for bringing you this second hour. And uh, we've got the Miller's Edge with Corey and Christian Miller coming up next from 11 until noon. The Big Noon Sports with Matt and uh, Lars, noon until 2. And then Ryan Fowler will take you home, as always, this afternoon, 2 until 6 with the game. All right, everybody, enjoy this incredible weather that we just continue to have and uh, enjoy the day. And I'll be talking to you again in the morning at 9 a.m. on the Gary Harris Show. Thank you for listening to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Holiday.